Section 6 of Winesburg, Ohio. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. This recording by Patty Brugman. Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. Section 6. Nobody Knows. Looking cautiously about, George Willard arose from his desk in the office of the Winesburg Eagle and went hurriedly out the back door. The night was warm and cloudy, and although it was not yet eight o'clock, the alleyway back of the Eagle office was pitch dark. A team of horses tied to a post somewhere in the darkness stamped on the hard-baked ground. A cat sprang up under George Willard's feet and ran away into the night. The young man was nervous. All day he had gone about his work like one dazed by a blow. In the alleyway he trembled as though with fright. In the darkness George Willard walked along the alleyway going carefully and cautiously. The back doors of the Winesburg stores were open and he could see men sitting about under the store lamps. In Meyerbaum's notion store Mrs. Willie, the saloon keeper's wife, stood by the counter with a basket on her arm. Sid Green, the clerk, was waiting on her. He leaned over the counter and talked earnestly. George Willard crouched and then jumped through the path of light that came out at the door. He began to run forward in the darkness. Behind Ed Griffith's saloon, old Jerry Bird, the town drunkard, lay asleep on the ground. The runner stumbled over the sprawling legs. He laughed brokenly. George Willard had set forth upon an adventure. All day he had been trying to make up his mind to go through with the adventure, and now he was acting. In the office of the Winesburg Eagle, he had been sitting since six o'clock, trying to think. There had been no decision. He had just jumped to his feet, hurried past Will Henderson, who was reading proof in the print shop, and started to run along the alleyway. Through street after street went George Willard, avoiding the people who passed. He crossed and recrossed the road. When he passed a street lamp, he pulled his hat down over his face. He did not dare think. In his mind there was a fear, but it was a new kind of fear. He was afraid the adventure on which he had set out would be spoiled and that he would lose courage and turn back. George Willard found Louise Trunnion in the kitchen of her father's house. She was washing dishes by the light of a kerosene lamp. There she stood behind the screen door in the little shed-like kitchen at the back of the house. George Willard stopped by a picket fence and tried to control the shaking of his body. Only a narrow potato patch separated him from the adventure. Five minutes passed before he felt sure enough of himself to call to her. Louise! Oh, Louise! he called. The cry stuck in his throat. The voice became a hoarse whisper. Louise Trunnion came out across the potato patch, holding the dishcloth in her hand. How do you know I want to go out with you? she said sulkily. What makes you so sure? George Willard did not answer. In silence the two stood in the darkness with the fence between them. "'You go on along,' she said. "'Pause in there. I'll come along. You wait by William's barn.' The young newspaper reporter had received a letter from Louise Trunnion. It had come that morning to the office of the Winesburg Eagle. 
The letter was brief. I'm yours if you want me, it said. He thought it annoying that in the darkness by the fence she had pretended there was nothing between them. She has a nerve. Well, gracious sakes, she has a nerve, he muttered as he went along the street and passed a row of vacant lots where the corn grew. The corn was shoulder-high and had been planted right down to the sidewalk. When Louise Trunnion came out of the front door of her house, she still wore the gingham dress in which she had been washing dishes. There was no hat on her head. The boy could see her standing with the doorknob in her hand, talking to someone within, no doubt to old Jake Trunnion, her father. Old Jake was half-deaf, and she shouted. The door closed, and everything was dark and silent in the little side street. George Willard trembled more violently than ever. In the shadows by Williams's barn, George and Louise stood, not daring to talk. She was not particularly comely, and there was a black smudge on the side of her nose. George thought she must have rubbed her nose with her finger after she had been handling some of the kitchen pots. The young man began to laugh nervously. It's warm, he said. He wanted to touch her with his hand. I'm not very bold, he thought. Just to touch the folds of the soiled gingham dress would, he decided, be an exquisite pleasure. She began to quibble. You think you're better than I am. Don't tell me. I guess I know, she said, drawing closer to him. A flood of words burst from George Willard. He remembered the look that had lurked in the girl's eyes when they had met on the streets and thought of the note she had written. Doubt left him. The whispered tales concerning her that had gone about the town gave him confidence. He became wholly the male, bold and aggressive. In his heart there was no sympathy for her. Ah, come on, it'll be all right. There won't be anyone know anything. How can they know, he urged. They began to walk along the narrow brick sidewalk between the cracks of which tall weeds grew. Some of the bricks were missing, and the sidewalk was rough and irregular. He took hold of her hand that was also rough and thought it delightfully small. I can't go far, she said, and her voice was quiet, unperturbed. They crossed a bridge that ran over a tiny stream and passed another vacant lot in which corn grew. The street ended. In the path at the side of the road they were compelled to walk one behind the other. Will Overton's berry field lay beside the road and there was a pile of boards Will is going to build a shed to store berry crates here, he said, and they sat down upon the boards. When George Willard got back into Main Street, it was past ten o'clock and had begun to rain. Three times he walked up and down the length of Main Street. Sylvester West's drugstore was still open and he went in and bought a cigar. When Shorty Crandall, the clerk, came out at the door with him, he was pleased. For five minutes the two stood in the shelter of the store awning and talked. George Willard felt satisfied. He had wanted more than anything else to talk to some man. Around a corner, toward the new Willard house, he went whistling softly. On the sidewalk at the side of Winnie's dry goods, where there was a high board fence covered with circus pictures, he stopped whistling and stood perfectly still in the darkness, attentive listening as though for a voice calling his name. Then again he laughed nervously. She hasn't got anything on me. Nobody knows, he muttered doggedly, 
and went on his way. The End of Nobody Knows from Winesburg, Ohio, Selection Number 6 Read by Patty Brugman